Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weird, Wacky and Wonderful Stories podcast with your hosts, Shelley and Bella. everybody and welcome to episode 108 of the weird wacky and wonderful stories podcast totally forgot it for a minute <laughs> at least you didn't forget the name of it i know yeah i know tell me about it but i yeah i got a thing with numbers recently i don't know what's going on thank you very much to david pettibone before we start the show thank you very much for donating once again to our buy me a coffee campaign it should be called buy us a coffee campaign but it's buy me a coffee campaign even though it goes to us so thank you very much really appreciate that again you are one in a million thank you very much indeed so we have got lots to get on with today uh, later on we've got Ruth Roper Wild. She'll be coming along with her monthly report and she will be talking to us about some really interesting investigations that she's been doing recently on her travels at different locations. And she gets her dog involved in this as well. <laughs> and I don't know if you remember, well, I know you remember because you were as you were as kind of uh, on the edge about it as me. She submitted her report to us and she built the story up and we were like come on come on let's find out what happens let's find out what happens and then all of a sudden it was like nothing <laughs> nothing she just left us on a total cliffhanger and the video stopped and i'm messaging her i go ruth ruth you've got to finish off the story you've got to let me know what happened and she's like i'm away i'll i'll do it in a couple of days and i'm like i need to know so she sent us the second file, uh, which so you're going to see a change in her clothes. She's not magic. Um, <laughs> she uh, she, uh, but there will be a slight. I'll, I'll leave it in so you can see exactly where we 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 got kind of held up. I'll leave like a second or so break, and then you'll see her come on in her new clothing, telling <laughs> us exactly what it was that that happened at the end of the story. But really, really fascinating. We've also got. Richard Lenny popping along and he actually talks about another missing person situation that happened recently in the UK could well be classed as one of the so-called missing 411 missing person cases maybe have a listen to it and decide for yourself interesting one this that's Richard Lenny later on at the end of the show as you know but before then we got lots of different things to talk about haven't we yeah not least you sport in your new hairstyle yeah I don't like it yeah, very good. Non-COVID air now. You have gone, you have gone from the point of, oh, I've got some grey to, fuck it, let's just go silver. I'm <laughs> new. It's like, I'm new. It's uh, I've embraced my grey, but I did shave my head the other day again with my beard trimmer. I, I need to do my. Do this next. I know the but, hair on your yeah, face. Exactly. Is there wasn't any battery left after I, <laughs> after I'd done the rest of it. Okay, so uh, let's let's go on. We got a couple of different things to uh, cover today. But, uh, it's this is kind of like weird news and everything that's gone on again. But there's some really interesting talking points. Don't know why I got a pen in my hand. Uh, some really interesting talking points. Do you remember a little while ago you were talking about if people go up in space? then how long do they quarantine for? Yeah. Uh, what level of quarantine are they actually, you know, sort of given? And could they still be bringing back viruses that maybe we're not aware of and all that sort of stuff? That would be messed up if they actually determined that coronavirus came from space or something. Yeah, like monkeys from space. Well, there well, was you know, a like planet, in space. You know, like Planet of the Apes. Yeah. It's like they came down here. Well, they, they must have come down here for the filming. Oh, you know, when they funny. did the movie. So, um, yeah, they probably brought it. Terrible. That, honestly, that's what happens if you shag a monkey. I've said many, many times, you know, just stay away from them. Just, um, or was it a bat that shagged a monkey? I can't remember I don't know, in this but case. Are you talking from experience or? No. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, 
Before me, of course. Uh, I was, was going to maybe, maybe tie it into you. Yeah, but I saw your, my, your, I was, your gears They turning. were working. They were trying. Um, no, do you know, 28 new viruses have um, been found in a glacier that was... I heard about this. Mm, this was in China, on the uh, Tibetan Plateau, in western China, in fact. And they actually identified 33 viral genomes in total, and at least 20 of them are novel, they said. Novel, I guess, new. means new, does it? Yeah, okay. See, novel, I thought novel meant, you know, it's kind of like... Oh, no, no, it's, it is kind of like rare, isn't it? It's kind of... If something's novel, it's... Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll shut up. Um, Good. Four of the known viruses have been found um, to infect, infect bacteria. But they say that the novel viruses that they've found are believed not to be harmful to humans, uh, which is good, but I, I guess they had to test them before they knew that. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, let's melt this little bit of ice yeah, who, here. Who volunteered for that job? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they, they just... just you know, sort of like melt that little ice cube there and see if we die and from then, it. Let me touch you. How's that? What? What are you doing? <laughs> That's what they were doing. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> what? I think it was probably a little bit more scientific than that. Well, you don't know, do <laughs> you? Know? you? But I've said this before. You, it, Give me you know, a cootie shot. They had an article in the news. It was probably attached to that same one, actually, that there is actually, there was rainfall up there. Instead of snow, instead of, you know, and that there were actual, you know, everything was actually melting. The mm. highest um, recorded. Uh, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? With all of this environmental stuff going on and all of these um, ice caps that are melting, there are going to be things like bacteria That's and viruses just- and everything that are just going to suddenly appear. Because they've just been waiting. Well, yeah, they're going to be re-exposed to the environment, and uh, yeah, it is uh, it is quite uh, concerning. There are certain things you don't want to do. Okay, get you know, up early. Because it's like, well, you don't want to get up early. With the, <laughs> I really wanted to sleep in today, but no, no, no. Well, I kind of got up early because I went out to get you something. I, I did, uh, and and you went. Why are you? Why? What was it you said to me? Something about why am I so eager to get out of bed or something yeah. like that? And now you know. And what did I do? Went and got you some steak, which is always good. Uh huh. But not only was it steak, it was super super thin sliced steak, so I can actually make a steak sub. Which we don't get here. We haven't got any subs. You have to make a steak sandwich. Oh, and that nice thick bread? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be good. Okay. Anyway, we're getting off the topic again. You know, there's been loads of different ways that people said that they can treat COVID. The the famous one, of course, is Donald Trump, where he came and said that, you know... Bleach. Bleach, yeah, in, in... uh, injecting yourself with bleach, which I think he must have been joking. Yeah. I don't think he, he could have really meant that. People have recently been using a deworming drug. Yes, I heard about this as well. Yeah. For dogs, isn't it? For cows. Cows. Yeah, mm. yeah, bigger than a dog. Really? And, well, no, th- there's a point to saying that because these medications that are designed for livestock, uh, this one being ivermectin or something like that, I'm probably pronouncing it terribly, yeah. is prepared in doses sufficient to treat a, a livestock you know which which are pretty big you yeah. know it's not the size of of the steak that you get on your plate it's a lot bigger than that okay uh. and so these people are actually ingesting these drugs and there's been a load of people hospitalized because they're overdosing on this medication well i guess if they overdose on that at least they aren't dying from covid just... Listen, if the if the end result is you is you know you're dying or getting seriously ill, it, it doesn't really matter how you got there, does it? Do you know what I mean? Well, they they actually the Mississippi State Department have actually put out. I, I'll read this bit. Actually, it says the the U.S. Food and Drug Agency has issued a warning to people not to take the antiparasitic drug designed for livestock to treat or prevent COVID nineteen following multiple reports of poisonings. It follows a surge in reports to the Mississippi State Department, even though it says Mississippi. Mississi- Mississi- fuck me. <laughs> 
Mississippi <laughs> Starts Department, I think that's probably a headline, um, of health, um, regarding cases in which people have been poisoned by ingesting the drug Invermectin, commonly used to deworm cattle. You are not a horse. You are not a cow. Seriously, y'all, stop it, the FDA tweeted. <laughs> I mean, that's some pretty, you know, that's some pretty, like... There's no bones about that, is there? You know, you you can't take that more than one way. (laughs) They've come out totally clear. You're not a flipping horse. You're not a cow. Stop it. Seriously. (laughs) You know, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. I think that, that that's how all public service messages should <laughs> go out. More people would probably listen to them. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like we we were speaking the other day about these people that are like Sue because, you know, they they bought a fast food chain coffee and spilt a bit on them while they're driving and drinking that which you shouldn't do anyway and then suing or attempting to sue or successfully suing or whoever because there's been several cases the fast food chain for giving them a beverage that's hot right and my my opinion to that is well then stick a really plain you know message on it you are a twat if you drink this hot liquid and don't think it's that hot while you're driving and you spill it your own fault sunshine mm. i reckon they could probably fit that around you know if they tried hard they could they probably could fit that exactly <laughs> you are a twat if you drink this while driving and don't expect it to be hot you bought a hot beverage you know okay yeah i'm i'm just you know honestly i could i could solve all the world's problems if i kid um yeah (laughs) so so yeah that was in mississippi people have been taking that that drug and it's just absolutely wild to me well it may not cure covid but it doesn't cure stupid neither does it well it does cure stupid i suppose well i'll tell you what is a cure for stupid death exactly yeah yeah (laughs) okay there's some really cool things that have happened scientifically oh actually while we're talking about livestock this has got to be the nastiest thing i've ever seen Right? Did you hear this happened? This happened in Wisconsin. A cow was spotted in a car going through a McDonald's drive-through. Now I apologise, by the way, if you can hear a load of motorcycles that are just driving past now in a big, big group of them. So I apologise if you can hear it over the sound. But um, yeah, in Wisconsin, a cow has been spotted going through a McDonald's drive-through in, in the back of the seat, and actually videoed. Someone actually videoed the cow in the back. I mean, was it a big cow? No, it's, uh, it's not going to be a big cow in the back of a car, is it? Well, and it I- turned out, actually, there were two of them in the back of the car. Um, apparently, someone had, had recently bought two of these two of these little calves in some kind of, you know, market type thing, you know, where they where they trade cattle. I mean, why? And they went through a drive th- drive through at McDonald's. Did you? They say? went through a drive through at McDonald's. Well, I wonder if they got burgers. Well, it's it's like you when you fed our bird chicken you know it's just cannibalism on on another level i can't help it if the bird liked it okay not my problem although i must say that um when i was sitting last night eating my wings i was feeling kind of bad because the bird was like clinging to the side of the cage like watching me (laughs) well see that's it you've just made a crave chicken wings now you know it's it's not right but I mean, what were they saying to that cattle? You know, they they just bought the calves in the market and now they're taking them via a drive-thru. What did they say? One day, you'll grow into that. (laughs) You know? Ridiculous. The cows are going, oh, shit. (laughs) We're not old enough yet. (laughs) There was a queue at the drive-thru as well and they were going, move along. (laughs) Um, No, it's... uh, yeah, yeah. I just it just makes me wonder what. But someone someone got a video of the cows going through the drive-through in the car. Um, it's uh, all of the links to all of these stories. By the way, guys, will be in the show notes as usual. You know that. Uh, just scroll down on the podcast um, and you'll see it. And if you're watching it on YouTube as well, then obviously there will be the uh, links in the show notes there as well. So yeah, onto the science stuff. I was going to say, uh, did you know that 
there's obviously a space race originally to first person into space and first um, first person to land on the moon. And then we're looking now at all of these different companies that are trying to get people to be able to orbit the Earth, you know, like Virgin Atlantic and, and SpaceX thought, and all the rest of I it. I thought I read something yesterday that said... That Virgin Galactic, sorry. ...that they've um, had to stop because of something. I can't, I can't remember what, though, so it doesn't matter. No, thanks for interrupting me with nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, they are now uh, apparently somebody we don't know who has commissioned a company, Collins Aerospace, uh, which is actually a subsidiary of the military aerospace contractor uh, Raytheon Technologies. But someone has actually paid Collins Aerospace $2.6 million um, to build them a space station essentially that can orbit the earth and it'll be the first privately owned space station in orbit around the earth that's going to be interesting for all of these uh, stargazers that are you know looking up and these ufo people and all the rest of it that are looking up at the skies a lot we could end up starting to see a lot of these in the future that are that are orbiting the planet the funny thing is who owns it who owns space I don't think you can own space, can you? But I'm sure someone will claim it. Well, that's what I mean. But you can't. You can't. I, I think we should claim some, you know, space. See, that, that's, that's... And we could rent it out. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, and I, and I apologise to all my American friends, I was going to say, that's a typical American that says, I'll plant a flag in it and it'll be mine. Kiss but then, my ass. But, no, but I was going to say, but then it was us Brits that actually say. went over to America and planted a flag and went, that's ours. Yeah, and so, we'll colonise that. So, yeah, I shouldn't because the, the Brits were probably the worst at it when all over yeah, the world you, planting and, our flags. And you guys are supposed to be so polite and everything, but you weren't. We were polite. We put a flag down. Didn't plant any trees, did you? No, no. Mm. Well, I don't know. May have. I, I. That's. Do you know what? That's one thing I'm really, really into at the moment. Is is I want to plant trees. Yeah, I want to get a piece of land or something at some point, and I want to, I want to start growing something or making something or producing something that's going to help with the environment. I'm, I'm turning into. What's that? What's that? Environmentalist. Um, what's that girl? Oh, uh, Greta. Yeah. Greta. Yeah, I'm yeah. turning into Greta. Honestly, bit by bit, I am. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going vegan or anything stupid like that, but you know, I, I, I am. I'm, I'm being gratified. Okay. She's, she's doing her thing. She's, she's working her magic up here. I'm, I'm starting to see it. I'm waking up, man. Okay. Okay. I was going to say, are you woke? But no. No. I'm not woke, but I'm waking. <laughs> Apparently, they reckon that it may be axiom. A-X-I-O-M, that is uh, possibly involved in this. It's a slim chance, but they reckon that this Axiom Space, um, which is, you know, a contractor anyway, they they think that they may be the ones that are at the bottom of this, but don't know. But either way, interesting, isn't it? It's interesting that we're now getting private companies that are going to create a space station. And then, and and what they want to do is they're trying to make it so that they can develop this commercial presence in space. I don't know how that's going to look in the future. I mean, are they going to be able to advertise stuff from space? Are they going to be able to run some other kind of broadband? I know we've got that. Um, those satellites. fucking long cables. <laughs> At least you think you're funny. <laughs> no. I was just thinking, like you can't even claim a slice of space above the country you're in because we're turning, so you don't <laughs> yeah. even get that's to. Mine. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. <laughs> you yeah. don't even. I mean, there must be a way, right? No, you don't want to claim space. If you put a flag there, I tell you, it's going to float off. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying, like, I mean, you've got, you've got the i guess they'd have to do it some sort of way like they do the sea where you've got like certain areas that belong to certain countries and then don't even start this conversation it would be horrific if we started claiming space but 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 you can already buy a star i know but i'm sorry if you buy a star kind of claiming space anyway yeah but let me tell you something you're never going to get to go there it's a ball it's a ball of burning gas 
you are not going to. Okay, and also on stars, their winters are switched to opposite seasons. Don't even <laughs> fuck with me on that today, buddy. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, sorry, we got that uh, topical joke for those who listen regularly. Um, okay, talking about space. Did you know that the atmosphere on Titan is actually uh, quite unique? Titan, obviously, being uh, one of the moons that are in our solar system uh what what moon uh it's a jupiter moon titan isn't it oh i don't know yeah uh see you've asked me now what about it anyway i'm sure it's jupiter but now you've made me look idiot yeah because this just says one of the solar systems i'm sure it's jupiter if it's not jupiter someone just put a comment in and let us know will you please um so anyway they've managed to recreate the atmosphere on titan in a glass cylinder here on Earth. And what they did was they just took droplets of, of water, liquid water, okay? Liquid, yeah. And they um, turned the temperature down. Well, no, because you can get solid water. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they turned the temperature down uh, to minus 290 degrees Fahrenheit. In a teeny little tube? In, um, not in a teeny little tube. They say in a glass cylinder. I don't know how big the cylinder is. Okay, I'm sure you could have some fun with it. What what are you trying to say? (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, Anyway, they turned the temperature down in this in this cylinder. Okay, to 290 minus 290 degrees Fahrenheit, um, and all of a sudden it started producing these these other molecules, the molecules that are found in the atmosphere on Titan, proving that obviously the water was the founding sort of body if you like on that moon and obviously with the temperature of space and everything as cold as it was hey presto this is what happens (laughs) well no but it wasn't it's it's gone beyond that let me just find the bit on here that says so it says as part of an experiment that showcased during uh, a meeting of the american chemical society titan's unique atmosphere was effectively recreated in small glass cylinders Liquid water was placed in the cylinders. The researchers turned the temperature down to minus 290 degrees Fahrenheit, the known temperature on Titan, and then studied what happened. As expected, the results were nothing short of amazing. Two molecules appeared in the cylinders during the experiment, including, I'm going to get this totally wrong, acetonitrile and propionitrile. Uh, The researchers describe these molecules and say they occur predominantly in one crystalline form that creates highly polar nanosurfaces, uh, which could serve as templates for the self-assembly of other molecules of prebiotic interest. So in other words, you can grow bacteria from it. So, I mean, hey, I think that's amazing that they've been able to do that. Those two uh, molecules, acetronitrile and propionitrile, are two molecules found during the Cassini mission uh, that explored Saturn and its moons. Saturn. There you go, Saturn. Saturn and its for moons. All you Americans. For Saturn. What's wrong with that? Saturn. 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 I Saturn it and it hurt my ass. <laughs> Saturn. Saturn. Saturn what? Saturn 5. I don't know, Saturn. <laughs> For <laughs> 13 years, confirming the experiment sex- successfully created Titan's atmosphere on Earth. Anyway, uh, the full article is there in the show notes. Have a look. It is a lot more interesting than I made it sound. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> You all right? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> You've got it on you today, haven't you? Okay, Friday the 13th, y'all. Mm. We had a Friday the 13th in September, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Did you know that Friday the 13th is actually, the, the whole bad luck associated with it is... Because of Judas. Okay, well, I was going to get to that bit, but yes, okay, you're right. Go on then. Well, because he was the 13th disciple, wasn't he? And he was the one that, like blabbed and and he was the, Jesus, he uh, was he was the thirteenth person to arrive at the last supper, yeah, that's what it says in here, yeah, he was a disciple, okay, yeah, and then he turned on Jesus, yeah, so that's why he's bad, 
Well, we know that's why he's bad. How does that equate to Friday the 13th? I don't know. Okay, was thank you for your input. Was that the day that he did it? <laughs> was that the day that he did it on Friday the 13th? <laughs> no. No, 13 has become synonymous with bad luck because of that 13th disciple or whatever, 13th person to arrive um, at the at the last supper. So baker's dozens probably aren't good, are they? Well, see if you're a baker's probably Especially good luck. if you cook it on Friday, if you bake it on Friday, you probably don't want to eat it until Saturday. Well, it it tends to only be associated in the western world um this this whole Friday the 13th thing, predominantly UK, US, Canada, um and some other parts of Europe. Um, and obviously, out of that, you've got the horror movies that have yeah. that have come a- around it as well. Um, but actually, in other parts of the world, they they are more superstitious about other dates. Okay, so in China, for instance, it's April the fourth, and that's considered unlucky because the Chinese word for the number four sounds really similar to to the word for death. Don't ask me what it is. And April, of course, is the fourth month, and therefore, apart from in Australia, because they go the other way around. No, okay. So April the fourth, fourth of the fourth. Um, that's why they consider it uh, bad luck. Many hotel like two thousand and forty four or something like that. Won't they? Yeah, the hotel elevators in China. Many of them don't have a button for the fourth floor, and hotels in well, this country don't, don't have... tend to have a number thirteen yeah. hotel room. I mean, some do, but not. You'd be surprised how many don't. Spain and Greece, it's Tuesday the 13th. 13 again, obviously, but the Greeks have a superstition over the day Tuesday because their word for the day is treaty, T-R-I-T-I, which also means third. And as the saying goes, bad thing comes in threes. The fall of Constantinople... That's true. mm, The fourth... uh, The fall of... the fall of Constantinople is also thought to have taken place on Tuesday, the April so the 13th. So why is Friday the 13th on a Friday? It's not always on a Friday. Friday the 13th is oh, yeah. always on a Friday. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Sorry. So, so what was your question? Why is Friday the 13th on a Friday? Why is it Friday that's bad? I mean, I get the 13th, but why is it a Friday? Was it because it was a Friday? I mean, we have Good Friday. We do have Good Friday. So um, why is it a Friday? Okay, I'm reading. <laughs> just just talk amongst yourself for a minute. Oh, nice. Go on in. <laughs> I'm reading. <laughs> um, you can see how unprepared we are to do our podcast today. Ah, right, okay. Why is Friday the 13th considered unlucky? There we go. So, like you originally said, the exact origins um, have probably been lost to time, but many believe that it started in the Middle Ages and is rooted in the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, he's said to have been betrayed on a Friday by Judas, who's also Sweet. thought to have been the 13th guest to sit down at the Last Supper. That's not the only association with number 13 has with bad dinner parties, as in Norse mythology, a banquet of the gods was ruined by its 13th guest, Loki the trickster, who caused the world to be plunged into darkness. Friday is also has its own history of being associated with bad luck. In Geoffrey Chaucer's Canterbury Tales, written in the 14th century, he wrote, and on a Friday fell all this mischance. So yeah, there's there's a couple of i'm not going to read the whole thing go and have a look at the uh article but there's a couple of reasons in there why fridays but it tends to be related to sort of theater um literature and uh religion to a certain degree but there's it's sort of a culmination of things rather than something massive that Mm. that happened you know um on a friday um, so Italy is Friday the 17th, and that is because the origins, they believe, can be traced back to the writing of the number 17 in Roman numerals, which is obviously X-V-I-I, yeah? X-10-V-5-I-I. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, why is that such a bad thing? Well, because if you use X-V-I-I, you can sort of jiggle the letters around to make V-I-X-I. I know we're... we're clutching a little bit but that translates to i have lived very much implying death so um that's why i'm not dead yet and i lived 
I was I lived last year and year before that, and I lived when I came out of my mother, and I've been living. You're so lucky to have lasted as long as you have. Um, <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, September the 9th in Japan, similar to China and April um, the 4th, September the 9th is considered bad luck in Japan due to how the word for the number nine sounds in the language. The Japanese word for the number nine is, uh, again, I'm going to butcher this, kayu. K-Y-U sounds very similar to the word for torture or suffering, making the ninth day of the ninth month to be one of the most cautious of. India is August the 8th. They believe the number 8 is unlucky, and obviously August being the 8th month and the 8th day, uh, it's because the number 8 is the number of the Hindu god Shani, uh, the god of karma, but also breakups and strife. That's a really interesting article. Again, gives a lot more information than what I've I've told you on here. But um, yeah, I, I just find it quite interesting that there are, you know, each country has its own date that it is superstitious about. Well, but I mean, that's where a lot of the um, a lot of the stories in that come from with different cultures, isn't it? You know, like from dates and it, historical. Well, I mean, like like here or in the uk or whatever you know the whole believing in fairies things and where you um there's that one where they say that that you've had this baby and it's changeling and you would take it they you know and so somebody stole your child and you've got this changeling and they you know so all of these sorts of superstitious sort of things they they are different from culture to culture aren't they yeah. but there does tend to be sometimes well a lot of times an element of i'm trying to move you so you're in the middle because you're looking at me and leaning over go on oh, well, i'm sorry that's right but i'm just saying so it, it's not really that different if you think about it because it's same sort of yes yeah, superstition yeah, yeah. but with with each country's like own little twist to it or whatever mm. yeah definitely on to something that I found quite quite good, actually. There's a, a frog. Okay, we're on to frogs now. Mm, nice transition. There's, yeah, yeah. There's a frog that came comes from um, late Titicaca, right? Titicaca, I think, is a brilliant word because obviously you've got titty, which is a great and word poopy. in itself. <laughs> and poopy, you know, because caca is, is, you know, shit. Are you sure? And and I just I yeah I just think this is this is brilliant. So there's this frog. I'll try and get a photo of it and put it on the screen Aww, for you about now. Look at it. But the frog cool? ha- has the nickname the scrotum frog because its body resembles a scrotum because of how sort of yes you heard it right guys for anybody driving in their car wondering uh, should I be driving my window down today. Yes, we are talking scrotum frogs. This frog apparently looks like a a sack. Um, yeah, with like really um, pointy hands. Yeah, no, but it's it's the fact of how wrinkly the the sort of skin is and all that sort of stuff that it, it, it that's the name it's been given. And I just wonder, you know, what we got two. Uh, I'll put the picture up. I've got here of two of them, one on top of the other, and I just wonder what his chat up line is. You know, well, I don't know, but if your balls looked like that, I would not be with you. No, especially if they had eyes. <laughs> just um, saying. Yeah. No, it's. It, but I wonder what his chat up line would have been to that, to that, you know, to that frog, you know, sort of like, you know, hi, I'm Ballsack from Titty Shit. How are you doing? You know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I I, I was not a ball, so I, I can't was, really. I was or a frog. I was um, disappointed in being given the name Shelley. I mean, I've got used to it over time. Getting my age, you have to get used to it. And get used to it young because you get beat I, up on the playground. I could have, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I ball sack would have been a worse one. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this um, this has now this um, scrotum frog from late Titicaca. Lake Titicaca, should I say, is now in said. Chester Zoo. There's one of them in Chester Zoo. No, I said late. Oh. Yeah. Is now in Chester Zoo. So, yeah, you can actually see 20 of the scrotum frogs on display. Well, good thing they're on pairs. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have number. a pair of scrotums. <laughs> you have a pair of balls in one scrotum. You don't have a pair of scrotums, okay? Don't let the people on here start thinking, i got two scrotums. That's not how I roll. All right? <laughs> I'm a one man. I'm a one man scrotum. No, I'm a, 
I'm a one scrotum man. I'm a one man scrotum. <laughs> oh God, you're gonna give me a heart attack. <coughs> well, at least you have lived. Uh huh. So anyway, yeah, um, we better get on to the um, the actual proper stuff of this show and actually because um, i'm baking and actually um, pass it over to the amazing ruth roper wild and don't then, forget to watch out for the um yeah clothes change look for the clothes change yeah <laughs> uh, honestly uh, the, these these people that we're getting on the show now they're, they're starting to get a little bit kind of like <laughs> big for their big for their britches i think and they you know they 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 used to just come on and be oh i'm i'm so i'm so pleased to be on the weird wacky wonderful stories podcast and now they're like no i gotta do a clothes change in a minute yeah. you know <laughs> she's uh, so, trying to be superman <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but uh yeah so have a have a listen to these guys. They're fantastic, and they do a lot of the research that we don't really. We just we just read really interesting, funny stuff from online. Don't forget or you just can stuff. or just stuff, yeah, <laughs> or just talk rubbish. Don't forget you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are available on all of your favorite podcast apps. Um, you must know that because you're listening to us somewhere. But just so you know, we're other places as well, and we're also available on YouTube. Thanks once again to Dave Pettibone for uh, supporting us via our buy a coffee campaign and if you want to do the same you can look in the show notes and you can find a link to help us out there greatly appreciated it helps us carry on the show once again thank you very much guys and don't forget to stay weird Weird, wacky wacky and and ball like oh yeah nice wonderful (laughs) no oh yeah wonderful yeah (laughs) okay bye guys (laughs) hi everyone hope you're all keeping well here's my monthly segment on everything paranormal My name is Ruth Roper-Wild and I'm an author who writes about ghosts and the spooky. So I was having a look at what I might talk about this week and I found uh, a video uh, taken by a security camera in La King's Confectionery in Galveston, Texas, where the security camera is faced into the kitchen at a row of stainless steel looking type uh, commercial fridges. And one of the frigid doors suddenly pops slightly and opens, hesitates a moment and then swings open just by about six inches or so. And obviously they're ascribing this to ghostly activity. I've watched the video several times and it is actually possible that that's paranormal. But it's also possible that the seal on the frigid door just didn't quite catch right. And after a little while, sort of popped itself open and then the weight of the door swung it. And it made me think about whenever you're ghost hunting, how important it is to try and replicate anything that happens to see whether you can find an ordinary explanation for it. In other words, the importance of debunking when you're actually out doing an investigation. And that made me think of a couple of things that happened to me recently on, well, one of them a while ago, but one of them recently on investigations. So some time ago, Hubby and I went to a place called Borton uh, in Northamptonshire that has an amazing ruined church uh, on a Sunday afternoon, quite a sort of thundery afternoon. And we walked around the church with our two Belgian Malinois that we had at the time. One of whom at the time was quite young, only about two years old, I suppose and extremely bouncy and extremely boisterous. Now, this particular church is supposed to be haunted by um, your usual headless highwaymen, but also children playing. So we did some calling out, which is where you ask the spirit to interact with you. And in calling out, we said to them, you know, we've got two lovely dogs with us that love children. Feel free to interact with the dogs. You can play with the dogs if you want to. Well, at this point, our two lunatics were charging around, especially the younger one. And the younger one, Red, suddenly stopped dead in his tracks, a good 50 yards or so away from us, sat down facing away from us and leaned as if he was leaning against somebody's legs and getting his head scratched. We've never, ever seen him do that whilst out running about on a walk, only ever when actually interacting with a human course it only lasted a couple of seconds and then he was off up bounding around again and hubby and i sort of looked at each other in amazement it's like that was really weird 
So I said, well, you call out again. I'll get my camera ready. Um, and we called out again. And to our astonishment, he did it again. So we called out to the spirits and said, you know, come on, you can you can play with him. He really likes to be have his ears scratched like that. Do it again. And again, quite some distance away from us, he suddenly sat down and leaned again as if he was leaning against somebody and held his head up as if he was getting ear scratches. I took loads of photographs of it and didn't get anything in the actual photographs other than a picture of my dog sitting facing away from me. But it did make me think of, um, you know, that's why it's so important to try and replicate it, because obviously a dog behaving like that twice is really quite unusual. So anyway, about three or four weeks ago, I had a loose Sunday all to myself. Hubby was working, so I thought I'd pop back to Borton Church. It's a little bit of a drive out from where we live, and we only have the one dog now. We've, we've sadly lost one since. So we still have Red, the younger one, and he's now seven years old. Now, on the way, I happened to turn down a particular bit of road that I've never driven down before. I was taking a different route. And I suddenly came across another ruined church. Well, of course, I had to stop and have a look. Now, I've looked it up on the map since and looked it up to see what its history is. And that's actually called St John's Church Tower. Um, and it's at a place in Little Brington in Northamptonshire. And it is just a church tower stood on its own, still intact, but pretty much disused by the look of it. Although a note says it's still consecrated. It's surrounded by a low stone wall and overgrown with trees and bramble and, and bush all round it. But you can still walk in to the actual grounds via a, a small wooden gate in the brick wall. So I pulled the car over, got out, got the dog out. And we went through the gate and, and, and into the grounds and, and took a couple of photographs of the this tower. Now, apparently, the church was originally built in the mid-1850s by the Spencer family, as in Lady Diana Spencer, later to become Princess of Wales. So her ancestral family built the original church back in the mid-1800s. And then the body of the church was demolished, I don't know why, in... Uh, the mid-1900s, so around about 1940s, 1950s, something like that, leaving just the tower standing. So there I am taking photographs of the tower, and I'd carefully shut the gate behind me as I entered because I'd got the dog and I was going to let him off the lead for a couple of minutes. I took the photographs, and I was very aware of a very heavy, sort of sombre, dour feeling about the place. It just felt kind of claustrophobic, even though it was, you know, obviously open air. So I took my photographs, dog wandered around sniffing for a few minutes, and then I thought, right, I'll crack on and get to Borton Church. Turned around to leave, and there was the gate standing open that I'd closed behind me as I entered. So I stood and looked at it for a few moments and thought, I'm sure I shut that. I wonder how it's managed to open itself. I wonder if this is something paranormal happening. So I walked up to it, closed it, took a couple of photographs of it again to see if anything came up in the photographs later on. And then stood and watched it for several minutes. I watched it for quite a while and nothing was happening. And I decided to test how easy it was to swing it open. So I touched it with my hand very gently and just pulled it very gently towards me. And it was actually quite difficult to move because of the way the grass was grown up around the foot of it. Everything was quite overgrown in that churchyard. A very disused feel about it. So I was starting to think, I think this might have, you know, been a paranormal thing that's opened this gate. So I closed it again, having dragged it with my fingers slightly, and stood and watched it for several more minutes when a really strong gust of wind came and blew the gate open right in front of me. At which point I was able to think, well, that's obviously what happened, although it's not a particularly windy day today. And if asked, I would have said, oh, no, the wind wasn't strong enough to pull the gate. I stayed there and waited long enough to just check and was able to debunk that was nothing paranormal. It was just that every now and again, 
there was a gust of wind strong enough to blow that gate open, despite the fact that it was restricted a bit by overgrown vegetation. And I think for me that just drives home how important it is when you're doing an investigation that you take a moment when something happens to check it and double check it and wait and see if it happens. Very often on these, you know, haunted television programmes you see, the moment something happens, everybody starts screaming and running around. Um, Did you see that? Did you see that? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? And then they rush off to view their camera footage without taking those few minutes to stop and wait and listen and look and see whether anything happened. Anyway, we drove off from there and carried on to Borton Church. And when I got there, it had changed quite a bit from when we'd last visited, because the last time it was quite overgrown, a lot of ivy over the remaining brickwork. There's very little brickwork remaining there, or stonework, I should say. Um, And all the graves and everything were very overgrown with nettles. Whereas this time, it's all been mowed. It's really in quite tidy condition. They've pulled all the vegetation down off the brickwork itself, obviously part of a conservation um, action. So whilst it's still a lovely site, it's it's lost that kind of mysterious, slightly abandoned feel it used to have. But nevertheless, I got out of the car and walked all the way around it. And I walk very slowly with a walking stick. I'm, uh, I have mobility problems. So I let Red off the lead and he was charging about the place, not quite as energetically as he did when he was two years old, but nevertheless, he was having fun and running around. And I walked round, and there is actually a um, holy water spring that springs out from under this church. It's you know thought of as a holy spring. Um, so Red had a, a, a drink of lovely cold spring water out of that, and then we walked back up to where the gateway is, which is quite a steep little pathway up to the gateway. And having reached the top, I thought I would just sit for a while and feel the atmosphere, see what it felt like. So I sat there. Um, I actually sat on a broken bit of tombstone um, and just absorbed the atmosphere for a while. And after a while, I did a bit of calling out again, saying, you know, you've met Red before. If you want to play with him again, you can. Red at this point had got bored and was lying down. And he suddenly stood up, rushed off down the hill on his own, back down towards where this spring was and went and fetched a stick he'd been playing with earlier, without me asking him to or anything. And that's not so unusual in himself. In itself. He will remember that he was playing with something and run off to get it quite often. He came running back up the hill, all pleased with himself that he'd got his stick. And normally when he does that, he comes running back to me with whatever it is that he's been playing with, to bring it back to me, even though I haven't asked for it. Hi again. I'm just recording this extra little segment because apparently when I sent the video across uh, for the Weird Wacky Wonderful crew to do their magic with it, the last little bit was missing and I left you all with a cliffhanger. Was, of course, entirely deliberate. Left it just so that Shelley and Bella would have to wait the whole weekend before they got the ending of that story, uh, whereas the rest of you all get to see it straight away. So, hey. Um, so apparently I got up to the bit where Red was just running up the hill with a stick. Um... So there he was running up the hill. I've hold, held my hand out for it, thinking he'd bring it back to me, wanting to play with it like he normally would if he'd thought of going to get a toy that he'd left behind or a stick or a ball, whatever. But much to my surprise, he actually just ran straight past me further up the hill to where there was a flat piece of grass with nothing on it, dropped the stick and then stood there kind of looking down at the stick and then looking up expectantly as if he was expecting somebody stood there to throw it. And when it wasn't thrown after a minute or two, he kind of got bored and wandered off from it. So I called it, him to me and sent him to go and get the stick, which he did, and he brought it to me. But he didn't seem very interested in throwing it, or, you know, me throwing it, so he could play. He, did, he didn't seem that bothered to want to play with me. And he just went off and took it and, and laid down with it and started chewing it. And although I waited several more minutes, I couldn't get that to be replicated, what had happened. So I can't say for absolutely certain that that was something paranormal. It just seemed a bit odd because normally if it occurred to him, he'd left a toy behind and he went running off to get it. 
He'd bring it back to me to play with. And it just felt like he'd brought it back to someone else to play with this time. So who knows? Might have been, might not. But it's it's the point of trying to debunk to, you know, that actually counts. So anyway, don't forget, if you've got anything that you want to share for the next book, contact me on my email address, wa-1400 at outlook.com. And until then, have a great weekend. Bye. Hi, and welcome to the Weird, Wacky, Wonderful. And this is your host, Richard Lenny, speaking to you from somewhere on planet Earth. Today I want to start off by talking about a six-year-old girl who went missing from her home in North Devon uh, about a week or so ago. Now, interesting story this, because I think it does go into the missing 411 case. Now, if you're not familiar with the missing 411, that's basically where people generally in America and Canada go missing mysteriously, either in national parks, forests, or from their own home. And in this case, this is what happened. This was a six-year-old girl who was in her home. She went to bed, I believe, about eight o'clock. Her parents put her to bed. Everything was fine. They live, by the way, between, I think it's two farms. It's in a rural area, so they don't have any uh, neighbours for um, a few miles. And um, later on that night, they went to check on her, I think, before they went to bed. I'm not sure on the time. I don't think they really stated that, but I would imagine it was late because it was dark. And um, the bed was empty. So, of course, alarm bells start to ring. They check the house. They can't find her. She's six years old. They don't give a name, um, but she was a girl, six years in age. And as soon as they found out that she was nowhere to be seen in the home, they obviously checked the grounds, I assume. Um, they then call the police. So the police are very good. They get straight on it. They get cadaver dogs out, bloodhounds, and they put a helicopter in the air with Fleur. Now, if you're not sure what Fleur is, it stands for forward-looking infrared camera. So basically what Fleur does is it can see in the dark and it looks for heat signature. So, of course, if you're looking for a person, they're going to have um, heat so that it will show up on the camera and they'll stick out like a sore thumb. So that's what they put up. And I'm now going to read you the article I've put up on my Facebook page. And it says, a missing 411 case, question mark, question mark. A six-year-old girl missing from a home in North Devon, UK, is found in a ditch over a half-mile area, 0.8 kilometres away from her home, at night. I wonder if she had any GHB in her system when they found her. She looked very groggy as she woke up. You can even hear the policeman mentioning it on the radio. Um, now, if you don't know what GHB is, basically, um, it's a date drug. Um, people use it if they want to make um, girls dr sort of drunk and groggy. They put it in their drinks in nightclubs and then they basically take them out of the club and then take them home and do whatever with them. Now, this, unfortunately, is found in basically every person that's gone missing in a 411 case. But it's only found when the parents have asked for it to be located because they check for, I think it was 120 or different drugs in the system. But believe it or not, GHB is not one of them. So if the parents ask for it to be checked, then obviously they will check for it. I don't know if they have to pay for that. But anyway, it's nothing. It's, it's not a drug that they just check for every time they, they find a person. So in this case, I'm wondering if she had it in her because um, she was found in a ditch, which, of course, is part of the missing 411. When a, when a person's found, they're normally found in a ditch and usually by water and granite. So she was found in a field, basically half a mile away from her home, in a ditch. And um, I, I've put it up on my Facebook page so you can watch the video. And if you watch it, they find her, she's lying down and her shoes are next to her. So again, the missing form one where their clothes are neatly stacked with the shoes on top. 
up. I believe she did have clothes on. See, the story is very vague. We don't know whether she was completely naked or not, or whether she had some garments on her. We do believe she did. But her shoes were definitely next to her, and you can see it in, in the Fleur images. And, and you watch as she gets up. She looks drunk. So obviously the helicopter must have woken her. So that's one thing. So obviously she's going to be tired when she wakes up. She's going to be like, oh, where am I? But she does look very unstable on her feet. And if you listen very carefully, the policeman actually does mention this in the helicopter because you can hear them talking all the time. And her shoes are next to her. Now, don't you think that is strange? We've got a six-year-old girl who went to bed about eight o'clock at night. And then we don't exactly know what time she left the house or how she left the house. But I believe there was no front doors open, so everything was secure. I don't know whether the front door was locked, by the way. They didn't mention that. But she went to bed at eight o'clock. And then the next thing we know is, is the parents are there looking for her. She's not in her bedroom. She's nowhere to be found. And she's half a mile away in a field. Now, remember, this is a rural area. OK, that means, guys, no street lights. That means pitch black. So you know, how the hell is she going to find her way around? You know, she doesn't have night vision on her. She's six years of age. I mean, most six-year-olds are going to be scared of the dark anyway. She's a girl. Is she going to go walking half a mile away from her lovely, warm, comfortable home with the teddy bears in her bed? Of course she's not. So what made her get out of that bed? What made her go that half a mile from her home into the open air in the middle of the night? And then take her shoes off and then lie down next to her shoes and fall asleep. I mean, you just couldn't make this up. You know, you just couldn't make this up. So I think it definitely is in a missing one case. And um, it's on my Facebook page. Go over and have a look at it. You know, it's, it's a very interesting story that it's very vague. They don't tell you an awful lot because she's six years of age. We've got no names. We don't know the whole story. But we know enough, we can put it together and we can see that it's definitely a very strange situation. What makes a six-year-old girl get out of her bed and go half a mile away from her home? You know what I mean? What was she chasing? Ice cream? Of course she wasn't. It was pitch black out there. You'd open a door, say you lived in a, a rural area and you, and you had a you know, six-year-old son or seven-year-old son and you open the door and it's basically pitch black out there. And you said to him, go on, then off you go. I mean, is he going to go? Of course he's not. He's going to run back upstairs and go into his bed, isn't he? You know, so something or someone is making our children leave our houses and go out into the middle of basically no man's land. And then they fall asleep. Now, I'm grabbing for straws here, but I reckon, and I'm, this is only a guess, but I think I'm right. I reckon if... For example, her parents hadn't checked on her again after they put her to bed. Say, for argument's sake, she went to bed at 8 o'clock, everything's fine. They go to bed about midnight, say 1 o'clock in the morning. They don't check on her again. They assume she's in her bedroom, you know, maybe the bedroom door's closed or whatever. They go to bed, right? Okay, now it's morning. It's, say, 7 o'clock. They get up. They start to make breakfast. Oh. Where's our daughter? She isn't down yet. She's normally down by now. They go upstairs. Her bedroom's empty. Her bed's not been slept in for hours. They then call the police. The police then get the, the cadaver dogs and the bloodhounds. They then put the helicopter in the air. And they don't find her. She's gone. And I think that's what would have happened. I think if her parents hadn't gone in later on that night to check on her to see if she was okay for whatever reason, just to check on her, like you do, periodically you go in and you make sure your son or daughter's okay. They don't need water or they don't need the toilet or whatever. If they hadn't have done that, I honestly think they would never have found her. I think she would have been gone. That's my own personal opinion, but I think she would have been gone. And that would have been it. Because what I think happened was whatever was taking our children, whatever, whatever this is that's taking them, they put her to sleep there and I think they were going to come back for her. Maybe they were disturbed or maybe they went to do something else to get someone else and then they were going to come back for her. They put a reserve sticker on her. Do you understand what I mean? And they were going to, they were going to come back for her later on that night. But thank God that her parents 
obviously found out sooner rather than later that she was missing, we got to her in time. So I think, you know, luckily that saved her life. Her parents saved her life because I don't honestly think she would have been there in the morning when they did that search. So I honestly don't think that would have happened. I think, you know, she would have been gone. Um, maybe she would have been found a few months later in that place, in that ditch, but she wouldn't have been alive. She would have been dead. So either way you look at it, either she would never have been found or she would have been found where she was found, but a few months later, dead, with her clothes stacked up beside her because the shoes were already taken off. See, it's the shoes that I don't get. Would a six-year-old girl take her shoes off and then... And then for, I don't know, you know, it's, it's really bizarre. So that's that case. Um, it's under police helicopter finds missing six-year-old girl asleep in Devon Field. And the weird thing about this, um, I was actually quite near this place only literally days before that happened. How weird is that? Literally right by it, right by where she went missing. Yeah, bizarre. Um, I've also put up above the video, um, I'll read it to you, please check out the video below this post, which is that video I was talking about, on a six-year-old girl who went missing in the West Country on the 17th of August and was found over half a mile away from her home in a ditch asleep. We are the third, I'll repeat that, we are the third in the world after America and Canada for people who go missing under mysterious circumstances. We are number three in the world and usually always found dead if found at all. So of course, it's not a good outcome. Now taking into account the size of these three countries, America, Canada and the UK, we basically come out on top. So we are really number one and America and Canada are behind us because of the size, of course, compared to those other two countries, with the, the amount of people that go missing, we really are number one, not number three. So, please check out on your child at night. You know, when, when you've put your child to sleep, just periodically, I mean, you might do this anyway, and I'm sure you probably do. I used to do it with my daughter and my son. You know, you put them to bed, and then an hour or so later, you just like open the door, you know, just make sure they're still okay and they're asleep and they're fine. But please, please, please do this every single night. Don't just, you know, think, oh, I'll leave it tonight. I'm sure they're fine. Every night, check on them. Make sure they're in their beds. Make sure they're asleep. Make sure they're safe. It's so, so important. I know it sounds crazy. I know you probably think this guy's a nut, you know. But it's, you know, it's best to be safe than sorry, isn't it? I mean, nothing to do with this product, by the way, okay? I'm not endorsing it or anything in that respect. I'm just telling you, there is this wristband that you can buy. It's just under £200, so it's not going to track it. Um, and then if you go into a wooded area or a forest or anywhere where you think there could be danger, you could also put it on your child's wrist as well. You don't have to wear it all the time. You know, you, you just put it on when you feel like they need to have it on. But I'm just saying it's something you can put on them when they're asleep and stuff, you know, and at least then, you know, you've got that as well as a, as a sort of backup. Um, so if you do live in a rural area, especially, this is very important. I think it probably, I think it's more for people who live in rural areas. Okay. This is very important. So if you're listening to this program right now and you live in a rural area, I think it's very important that you get your child a Buddy Connect bracelet. That's what it's called. Okay. B-U-D-D-I, Buddy Connect Bracelet, to wear while she or he is asleep. And you can also use them, like I said, for when you go into the woods, like a, you know, a forest or something like that. You think that you know, there could be problems there too. Put it on their wrist. At least then you've got that backup, haven't you? So, which I think is very, very good. A couple of hundred quid, but hey, come on. A couple of hundred quid to save a child's life. It's got to be worth it, right? And anyway, it's peace of mind. So, you know, check it up on, um, just Google it. Okay, Buddy Connect, B-U-D-D-I. Um, it's the cheapest thing I could find, but it's quality and it's easy to wear. You know, it's 
unobtrusive and the child's going to not even know they've got it on them after a while. One last thing I want to talk about quickly um, is a video, um, in fact it's under that um, missing six-year-old girl and it's called The End and it's a picture of, or it's a photograph actually, of a jet with contrail, okay? So click on that, it's a video, again this is on my Facebook page and at 0 0.13, so 13 seconds into the video, if you click it on that exact 13 seconds, you will see a black oval object racing across the screen from uh, right to left. So basically, it starts off um, with blue sky, somebody's videoing a jet with a contrail, and then you'll see from right to left a, a black oval object flying right across. And then after that, this jet seems to fly through or is near a load of ejected spheres. I mean, loads and loads of them. So I've written at 0 0.13, a black oval object is seen racing across the screen from right to left. This could have been the sphere carrier because after that, you will see loads of ejected spheres in the sky. And this plane is very close to them. It seems to be flying through the sphere field. I don't think it is, by the way. I think it's probably, you know, um, a couple of thousand feet above it because obviously the, the angle it's at. But even so, imagine if it did fly through that field of spheres. <laughs> it would have been game over for the plane, definitely. So check that out as well, okay? UFO orbs plus plane. Um, yeah, UFO orbs plus plane, lots of them. It's what is actually on the YouTube and it says the end. So check that out as well. I think you'll find it fascinating. Normally, I've done a lot of research on this. I've been researching these spheres for, God knows, I don't know, 12 years now. And we think these tubes eject them. You see, sometimes you see a tube in the sky and you think, how the hell is that thing staying up? It's revolving. I think it's usually clockwise. And it's just hovering there in the sky at about 15,000 feet. Well, these are the things that eject the spheres. Um, but in this case, it's a black oval object. But we think that's what it was. It ejected this particular um, load of spheres. But anyway, check it out. You'll find it's very interesting. And um, I think that's all there is for this month. Um, sorry, it's gone on a bit long again, but I can't, I can't stress enough about, you know, <laughs> looking after your children. I know it sounds crazy. I know it's, it sounds like something out of a sci-fi movie or something like that. But I've got to stress again that we are number three in the world. But basically we are. We're number one in the world for, for people going missing. Um, mysteriously, I'm talking about. And I think it's so important, if that is the case especially, that you protect your child as best as you can. And you've got to, you've got to do something, you know, because it could be your child next. And on that note, um, I wish you a good weekend and a good bank holiday. And this is Richard Lenny signing off. Bye-bye. <laughs>